Jesus Christ was born on Christmas Day. And man will live forevermore because of Christmas Day. It's that time of year, Mary's boy child is coming, which means faith, friends, family, feelings, as well as silly songs, stress, and sadness for some. I'm Aaron Zimmerman, your co-host with Jacob Smith of Mockingbird's Same Old Song podcast, the weekly lectionary podcast that helps you dig into the Sunday readings, whether you're a preacher or a pew sitter. So grab a cup of eggnog, open up your Bible, and let's dig in. A king was born today. Last Christmas, I gave you my heart. Is that how you're opening your Christmas Eve services, Jake? <clears throat> the very uh, next ex- day, <laughs> gave it away. That's right. That's right. We just want to be uh, culturally relevant and, um, you know, attract as many people as possible. So, uh, yes, George Michael will be um, last Christmas will be our opening hymn, uh, followed by our processional, which will be Mariah Carey's, Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. Um, and I will talk about how that relates to Jesus. And then we will close with everyone's favorite, I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas. <laughs> yes. And I think, you know, uh, you can say, you know, George of, in his wham days made the mistake of giving his heart to somebody who would not mm. be faithful. But give your heart to the mm. Lord. And all mm. I want for Christmas is Jesus. That's who we sing that to. Yeah. I, re- I really do miss George Michael, personally. Um, I know. He was one of my... Fi- he was one of my favorites. Nobody had a better five o'clock shadow Dude. than George Michael. And um, I think we all need it. In 2020, we all need a little more George Michael in our lives. Uh, yeah, you know, ahead of his time. And uh, uh, I will be your father figure. Yeah, let's not talk about that one. <laughs> let's just leave that one on the cutting room floor. That was always a mistake. We all make mistakes, and that was George's. But uh, I'm really glad you brought that up. Please, listeners, don't. But- I gotta, to to I gotta have faith. I gotta have so, faith. I gotta have faith. The faith. The faith. The. There's a new movie coming out. The whole soundtrack is George Michael songs. I don't remember what the movie is. Yeah, isn't is, it called but... Greed? It's Greed or something like that. I or and um, it looks really funny. I know exactly what you're talking about. So um, <clears throat> just Google it. Okay, our, uh, it's Christmas Eve. <laughs> here we are. It's our Christmas special, our Christmas extravaganza on same old song, and we're excited. I'm Jacob Smith. I'm the rector of Calvary St. George's here in New York City. And as always, I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, the elf on the shelf himself, Aaron Zimmerman of St. Albans, Waco, Texas. Father and A. And so how, how are you doing uh, today, Aaron? I'm good. I had my ridiculous superfood smoothie, which you witnessed me drinking, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm feeling charged. Uh, so much flax, mm. hemp, and uh, mm. ground up licorice root and other things I can't name. Uh, it was fantastic. I'm ready to rock. All I can say is to quote Peter Tosh, legalize it, don't criticize it. So anyway, so here we are, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. Um, Anyway, there was a reference to your smoothie, nothing else. I know, I know. But maybe we'll get, you know, as as many Twitter followers as we're about to lose, we're going to gain more from the whole 420. uh, That's right. The High Times magazine subscribers. 2020, um, same old song kicks off an Instagram account. And uh, we are calling all the fans of the same old song to get on Instagram and follow us. And, and the Twitter. Um, 
and and on the Twitter. And so um, follow us. Uh, what's our Twitter account? The real same old song. Five thousand no, pound Jake. Um, no, it's it's S O S Embird. Yeah, so uh, join that as quickly as possible. The first, uh, the first uh, two hundred uh, followers get our undying love and support. So um, uh, take the rest that for of what you it's cold. worth. Yep. But uh, on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve, we're going to be following uh, track one since we are in year A, and uh, Christmas is a very, very powerful day. Um, <clears throat> One thing I do want to clear up is that this isn't just some sort of, you know, midwinter uh, Christian holiday that was usurped a, a pagan holiday. From the earliest days of the church, why do we celebrate Christmas in the midwinter? <clears throat> is because from the earliest days of the church, there was a tradition going back to the patristics that uh, Jesus was um, was uh, conceived um, the same time he was crucified, which would have been around the month of Nisan, the 25th uh, day of the month of Nisan, or um, the sixth, month, sixth day following it, around that area. And so that correlates to March in our calendar. And so um, if you take that out nine months, you come to December 25th or January 6th. Uh, depending on which uh, Christian calendar you're using. So um, there is, um, and really until until recently, Christmas wasn't the major holiday. Um, it's always been, Easter was it, Pentecost was even bigger in the early church than Christmas was. But nonetheless, um, this has been a feast day from the earliest days of the church, and it wasn't to usurp any pagan holiday, but Christians have had validity on celebrating it during this time since the earliest days of the church. So fear not, you are not worshiping Ishtar or Quetzalcoatl. Um, uh, shout out to Lutheran satire. But anyway, that is uh, what we're what we're doing here on Christmas Day. And our first reading is Isaiah chapter nine, verses two through seven. What's going on here, Aaron? Well, I gotta say it was really hard when you said month of Nissan to not make a lot of jokes about foreign <laughs> automobiles. Uh, but I'm just gonna hold that in. Uh, so yeah, as we get ready to celebrate the feast of Saturnalia with Isaiah uh, chapter nine. Uh, the things that we have to uh, remember, well, first, this uh, passage leaves out verse 1, which is kind of important, uh, and I don't know that yeah. I'd make a whole sermon about it, but it does say in verse 1 of this passage uh, that they're talking specifically uh, to people that are in Zebulun and Naphtali, Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea. So this is talking about pagan areas. So when it begins by saying the people who walked in darkness, it's not talking metaphorically, uh, figuratively about people. These are actual people who are... Um, from a biblical perspective, kind of outside the fold, um, actual people who don't have the revelation, the news of, of God's uh, character, identity, love, uh, covenant, all that sort of stuff. So this is beginning by saying that God's mercy is going to break open on everybody, uh, even the ones that are considered to be outsiders. And uh, of course, Jesus then being born in Galilee, the specific area where that this passage references... No, he was references. born in Bethlehem of oh, Judah. Sorry. Right. But, uh, you yeah, know what his I ministry meant. Begins in Ga- he be- his ministry begins in Galilee, but we all knew that's what you meant. Ah! <laughs> caught in a scriptural error. Yes, that's exactly... Thank you. Thank you, Jake. That's what I did meant. Did you go to an Episcopal seminary? No. <laughs> I did. I did, and it shows. Just kidding, but the best one. It was. So I, had anyway. a lot of, I had a lot mm-hmm. of biblical uh, education at Trinity School for Ministry. Yeah, of course. So as did, did you. Everybody, so, everybody makes a mistake, man. Yeah, so thank good. you. Okay, moving on. You said 
Nissan. Uh, So the people who've walked in darkness, the fact that Jesus then will, after he's born in Bethlehem, he will go back to live in Galilee, live in this area and be the light. And that's where his ministry begins. So it's kind of looking ahead to that. Uh, But the idea here is that um, the coming of Christ is the thing that ends conflict among people and ultimately between people and God. So this uh, line about the boots of the tramping warriors and the garments rolled in blood, it's sort of a hellfire brimstone image, but it, <laughs> what really is saying is all the things that we use for conflict are going to be away. Yeah, I just was driving down Highway 6 in Texas uh, last week, and it goes along a train track, and there was a train going by me that must have had at least 75 tanks on it. Uh, and uh, other armored vehicles headed somewhere where they're going to be used. Um, And uh, it just struck me that this is a sign of the fact that we are kind of a nation that's always ready for war, as is, I mean, that's what nations do. I'm not picking on America. But what this, if you wanted to modernize this translation, it would say like all the tanks and all the stealth bombers and all the drones are going to be burned up because we're not going to need them anymore. It's an end to the endless conflict in humanity, both n- between nations, but also among people and at your Christmas Eve dinner table. Uh, and, uh, you know, the SNL just came out with that faux Christmas commercial for Macy's, uh, like go down to Macy's and everything's on sale and get clothes for your kids. And then it's like, you know, we've got uh, merino wool sweaters for your boys that won't fit over their heads and uh we've got boots uh, on sale that will not go onto your children's feet and they're impossible to get on and it shows this husband and wife fighting and uh you know the the husband can't get the boots on the girl and uh the daughter and the wife is like you have to learn nathan and he's like why don't you do it no you have to learn and and she says if you're gonna have that kind of attitude why don't we just not go to christmas dinner at your mother's and or at my mother's and and the husband says oh my gosh and i wouldn't have to listen to your brother get drunk and ask to borrow money what am i gonna do so this is the conflict that comes up in families at christmas and uh what this message is saying is that this conflict because the prince of peace is coming uh this conflict is over and that's just uh a beautiful thing to tell your congregation that Christmas, the idea of yeah. it and, and the accomplishment of it is, although it's kind of one of those already not yet things, is the end of conflict. Uh, God that's God coming as a baby is like the opposite of God showing up mm. with, an with you know, uh, Char- Chuck Norris style. I was almost a Charles Norris. I wanted to show him the respect he deserves. Um, you know, Rambo with like bullets across the chest and the machine guns blazing. Like that's what people think God is supposed to come like because he's going to clean house and eliminate sinners and all that sort of stuff. But God comes as a baby. That's the most, that's the peace. Mm. And uh, that's, I mean, and very much so, this is what everybody in that area at Jesus's time would have expected, especially in Galilee. Yeah. Um, Galilee was the place of um, a lot of zealots. And, you know, this place had just been marched on constantly by whether it be the Babylonians whether it be the Assyrians before them, the Greeks, now the Romans. And so Galilee was always, um, um, although a hotbed of kind of mixing with paganism, also a hotbed of zeal and zealots. And, um, and so they would have heard all of this and been like, awesome, finally, you know, for the yoke of their burden and the, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors, you have broken as on the day of Midian. But, uh, you know, this and this comes to us in this child who's been born and a son who's been given to us. But the authority rests upon his shoulders and he's as he's named the wonderful counselor. This thrusts us all ultimately to the cross. 
where in his Jesus' death and resurrection, he does break the yokes of not only the Galileans and Naphtali and Zebulon, but the whole world, um, and uh, becomes the light of the whole world, where in him, everything that has been disorganized and disarrayed by sin, death, and the devil is now brought together and um, is being, um, being brought into order once again, and the zeal of the Lord of the hosts will do this. And so this, this passage thrusts us to don't stop at the manger. Get them to the cross with this passage as well. Yep. And uh, this brings us to Titus chapter 2. And this is a great passage to preach. Yeah, and, uh, and just by the way, uh, Jake, you know, you mentioned how Jesus uh, will break all the yokes. And uh, I think, you know, we can just safely say the scrambled eggs will be delicious. <laughs> Amen. All right, so, so Titus um, chapter 2. Uh, the, gra- <laughs> the grace of God, that's not scripted, people. This just comes. It's no. just, um, <laughs> the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all. And so it begins with this word that sounds very wonderful, grace-oriented, the gospel, salvation for everybody, which is true. But then it sounds like it puts the law in there, <clears throat> training us to renounce impiety, worldly passions, uh, and live lives that are self-controlled, upright, and godly. So is this God doing that bait and switch? Like, here's the gospel, and now the law comes back in? Um, no, not at all. This is a description of what the Holy Spirit does in us as we have been uh, ransomed, uh, embraced by God, uh, forgiven. And um, what it says uh, is that we are waiting for Christ to return, and He is the one. Verse 14 is key. It um, brings you back to the gospel, reminds you that, um, God gave himself to redeem us from all iniquity, and he's the one that will purify us. Again, it says yeah. he will purify for himself a people of his own. So um, he is the one, the Holy Spirit is the one that trains us to renounce impiety, that basically That's transforms right. us from the inside out, makes us be people that have hearts that love what God loves and that love God. So uh, yeah, the passage is about what God does in us. Yeah, and uh, and the truth is, is that uh, you know, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all. The point, the powerful part of that passage and how it relates to Christmas, is that this isn't just simply a philosophy. This isn't a theory of life, or you know, just one of many ways to get there. Um, what Saint Paul is saying, for the grace of God has appeared, it's actually manifested itself in earth, in real time, in real history beginning in a manger, driving us to the man on the cross. And that's how this brings salvation to all. And, um, and you know, uh, and it calls us to follow in his footsteps. And this is where mm-hmm. we renounce impiety and worldly passion, um, not because um, that's what will make Jesus happy. That's not because, it, we don't do that because that's what keeps us in the game. It's because he, it is he who gave himself for us that he might redeem us. It's because we've already been redeemed from all impurity. And he's already purified mm-hmm. for us as a people um, who are zealous for good deeds. This is what God does. You know what I mean? He creates a people. You who were not my people are now my people, as he tells the prophet Hosea. And so this is what he does. He creates a people who are zealous for good deeds. He's not like waiting for a people that he can say, wow, those are a lot of good deeds. I think I'll name them my people. It's no, he creates that people. And that's the good news about Titus is that this happens in real time in real history. Once again, the Christmas isn't Christmas is wonderful. It's the most popular holiday of the year, bigger than Easter for most folks. But Easter is the main thing. And the manger has got to 
be driven to the to the man on the cross. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read on uh, Twitter this morning in my uh, after my quiet time. I uh, I read uh, somebody posted a wonderful quote from Rowan Williams. It said, "What you see." Uh, at the birth of Christ in the manger is the same thing that you see on the cross, which is God's self-emptying. And mm. he, he called it, he said, both of these things show you the engine room of the universe, like how That's everything right. works. And how everything works <clears throat> is God giving up, God yielding, God... Uh, uh, giving himself, emptying himself, which is the opposite of worldly grasping for power, That's right. the attempts to self-justify, all that sort of stuff. And and so this link that you're talking about between the manger and the cross is 100% there and 100% intentional, and this is the self-giving love of God for the world. And by the way, I have to ask, what was that story, the lady, after you preached on Titus one Christmas, she came up to you, what'd she say? <laughs> No, no, it was, uh, so she was, um, we were in the, the pulpit, and, um, and this is just a great reminder, a pastoral reminder, is that to keep your sermon short on Christmas Day and on Christmas Eve, especially on Christmas Eve, because you're going to have a lot of people visiting, um, you know, please don't say, great to see you, it's been great to see you, we haven't seen you since Easter, you know, um, don't do any of that, but don't so shame. anyway, especially here in New York, um, you have a lot of people who've come, and they've come from a, um, a very kind of boozy dinner, and so anyway, the rector at the time, Tom Pike, was in the pulpit preaching, and this lady just like walks down the aisle, <clears throat> and she stands there, and uh, man, and she is just swaying back and forth, and um, <laughs> and she goes, "Excuse me, but what what are you doing up in there?" <laughs> he looked and he said, "Well, I'm preaching." <laughs> and so anyway, she was like. Uh, that's, that's fine. And then she like kind of stumbled and made her way back to like a pew. And, um, but this is it. Your uh, Christmas Eve is an interesting pe- thing because so many people are totally empty inside mm. and, uh, and they have f- tried to fill it with presents. They've tried to fill it with, um, a really nice dinner. They've tried to fill it with a lot of liquor. And, um, and this is your chance not to get up and f- freaking exegete the whole thing. Do not make your sermon 35 minutes. That's the law. <laughs> but, but a good for the law. Sake of your con- but, for the sake, it's, but for the sake of your congregation, give them a brief word and assure them of the forgiveness of their sins in this Christ child. And so um, that's, a, that's the story with the lady tanked. Because if you're in, um, especially in cities, you'll see that this happens. And so, um, Hey, man, we have boozy dinners in Waco, Texas, too. Well, Waco's a city in my book. Oh, okay. so um, All right, good. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, it's just you know, you, it's a it's a tense time, and so and it's important to be pastorally sensitive during the this this time of year. Yeah, and if for I a can, lot of people, and I just want to make a plug too, like please try to be funny, people. And I don't want that to be the law, but like you have so many bored, intoxicated atheists in your pews uh, yeah. on Christmas Eve. Atheists, agnostics, backsliders, people that have been dragged there to make mom happy or whatever. It's like the annual family mm-hmm. obligation. And uh, if you can be um, j- uh, like warmly sort of a little bit playful and a little bit mischievous in the pulpit um, and be a little bit funny and at the same time pastorally connected, um, it can be really, really powerful. And as Jake said, keep Massive. it short and keep it to the point. Yeah, but have fun up there. It's a joyful time. This is good news of glad tidings for all people. So don't be dour and, and, uh, and have fun and preach, preach, preach Christ for all. And, and, and rectors and, and, and pastors with your music directors also, 
I mean, Christmas Eve is a time for really good music, but if you, if you really want to make a punch, keep that service as close to an hour as possible. There's a, there's a saying out there that sermonettes make Christianettes. Nothing could be further from the truth when you're actually doing what Christmas and Easter should be about, and that is evangelizing people because there are so many, like Aaron just said, folks who have been distanced from the church. And so this is a bridge. Um, Jesus says, feed my sheep, not my giraffes. So keep your sermon compact, tight, and I guarantee you, you will, if it, there's a little humor in there, like tell everybody you're excited about Star Wars or something like that, you know, um, you will uh, make yourself human. You will have a huge impact this Christmas. Yep. Uh, and sermonettes, uh, Finally, don't make I, I just unless they're bad sermonettes. Yeah, you that's know, right. You that's can right. have a good and lo- short sermon. And uh, but long sermons tend to just, if, especially if they're bad, tend to run people away completely. So I'll take a Christianette any day over someone who never comes to church again. Um, <laughs> but the uh, the uh, the uh, that's just the truth. So, but um, the other thing I just wanted to say is with Rowan Williams. You know, um, Rowan Williams nine point five times out of ten, I have no idea what he's talking about. And um, um, but when when he does say something, it's that's kind of um, intelligible. It's usually really profound and magic, and that is a great illustration. So uh, uh, in the manger and in the cross, you see God emptying himself. That it's is the powerful. engine room of the universe. That's actually how everything yeah. works, and we usually go the other way, but that's how that's God's heart. Uh, so when we come to this engine room in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 14 and 15 through 20, woo, big yeah. text. Yep, this is the, uh, you know, this is the Linus reading from Charlie Brown's Christmas special. So if you want to hold a blanket while you read it, go right ahead. Uh, this is, uh, this is the That's story. That's actually an amazing idea. I might do that. Yeah, That's do good. it, do it. So, uh, and, um, it's it 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 does a couple things. It it anchors the text. It anchors these events in history. Luke goes out of his way to say that this really happened, naming the political rulers of the time and all that sort of stuff. And then it tells this incredible story of uh, traveling from Nazareth all the way down to Judea uh, and to have God born. And. Uh, there's a lot of angles you can take on this. Uh, I, as again, keeping it short, I would focus on sort of one thing, um, uh, whether it's verse 10, good news of great joy for all people, um, whether it's uh, the shepherds that want to go see what's happened. What's happened. Um, you can invite your congregation to come see what's happened. But you want to explain, I think most of all, um, whatever angle you take is that this is God coming to us in the way that makes God the most accessible, and not even accessible, but the most magnetic. And and mm. he doesn't simply make himself approachable. He makes him to makes himself to appear in a way that would actually, you would want to go to him uh, because he's a baby. Uh, this mm. is just, it never gets old to remind people that God who could have showed up in any manifestation uh, chooses to come as the thing that draws people. Uh, if there's a baby in a room, everybody wants to go talk to the baby. Everybody loses yep. their dignity and starts cooing to the baby and talking like a three-year-old. Mm. And um, and babies have this way of completely disarming people and coming in a way that is so needy. Uh, and um, it, it just, it sort of invites you to, to pick him up. And, uh, <clears throat> and by the way, as I think about this, I think the illustration that you need to use, if you don't know how to be funny or to be a little irreverent uh, and gather and just kind of break the 
church spell and wake people up for your sermon, just mention Baby Yoda. This is what Baby Yoda does. This is why Disney <laughs> Plus is making billions of dollars on our subscriptions. We didn't know we needed another streaming channel, but now we have one, and we're all forking over our money to watch the blanking Mandalorian so we can see Baby Yoda, or B-Yodes, as Pete Holmes like to call him. So, uh, that yeah. That is so, so true. That it's 100% so true. true. And they release it right the- before Christmas, and they put this Baby Yoda in there, and it, it, it's the Star Wars Christ child, basically. I mean that with uh, just mm. a touch of irreverence, but not really. I mean, there's a the thing. Like, people are drawn to that. Every, every time we've watched The Mandalorian, every time Baby Yoda comes on the screen, my kids are like, Oh, and I'm doing the Yay! same thing. Yeah. And so Jesus, yeah, I mean, so God true. comes as a baby because everybody wants to see a baby. And it's just, it's the most least, it's the least threatening, uh, most approachable thing ever. That is, that is my sermon illustration right here. You're welcome. So that is, that is, thank you, Aaron. Um, <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, that's, that is exactly right. And so, and um, yeah, Hit that. That's that is so good. So um, mm. the other thing too is that you want to say is that, that this didn't take place in a galaxy far, far away. Um, this actually occurred right. in human history in those days when a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all should be registered. Um, when um, uh, Quirinius was governor in Syria, you know this is this is real time, real history, not in a galaxy, galaxy far, far away. So. Um, and he comes as a, as a baby Yoda. So um, something that we can all embrace. But in that embrace, he embraces all of us and embraces us unto salvation. Um, and uh, this is the beginning of the end of the war. Peace on earth, goodwill towards all people. So um, I love all of these, these key words that you can hit on and, and play with. Um, do not be afraid. You know, they were terrified, but yeah. then the angels say, do not be afraid. Um, what's he doing? He's not bringing more stuff for you to do, but he's bringing you good news of great joy, not just for a certain set of people, but for all people. And, uh, you know, you've got born for you a savior. And uh, this is this is the whole thing. So in real time, in real history, baby Yoda has come for you. And the force is strong with this one. Merry Christmas, everybody. Mm. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. See you next week. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him. But three days later, well, the stone got rolled away. Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. And we hope you found some nuggets that will be helpful either in your preaching or just in your life. If you like what you heard, we would love it if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. Dave's all will be sad if you don't. We like to thank the Narrativo Group for audio production. Keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll. You see,